Bha is presently the curriculum and instruction lead at Rocket Learning. While her background was in journalism, she began her professional journey as a fellow for India and then remained committed to the education sector. In the past, she has been involved in teaching, first as a Teach for India fellow and then at Shibumi School, known for alternative education. She then pivoted to her main area of interest in curriculum design and development and has worked in such roles at non-profit organizations like Nekshala Trust, Open House and Going to School. Today, Vibha will help us deconstruct careers in the education sector and dive deeper into roles that she has an expertise in. Uh, thank you for joining us, Vibha. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much, Mansa. I'm looking forward to it as well. As uh, introduction, maybe uh, you can talk about uh, Rocket Learning and the work that they do and what your role uh, at the organization is presently. Um, definitely. Um, Rocket Learning is an ed-tech social startup. So uh, research has proven that around 90% of the child's brain development happens in the first about eight years of their lives. So what we also know is that if given the right kind of environment and the right uh, kind of support during these early years, uh, theoretically, it should be possible for us to eliminate the kind of gaps we see in the later years of the education system. Uh, so a child who has had a strong foundational program Research tells us that he, um, she or he is likely to be better prepared to handle the demands of the rest of the schooling journey. Um, so at Rocket, we want to work with the government and private bodies in ensuring that children between these years, that is three to eight years of age, have access to uh, age appropriate learning. Um, so at Rocket, we also believe that parents can be a great lever in making this kind of learning available to children. Uh, since they're pretty much the child's first and closest source of knowledge and information. Yeah, so I currently lead the curriculum and instruction at Rocket Learning. So given our work is in the ed tech sector, uh, this instruction currently sort of manifests itself in the form of a home-based digital content uh, that we disseminate through a WhatsApp-based technology platform. So we know people saying the communities that we want to work with and if we want to reach the scales that we want to uh, reach, it's better, I think we think it's most appropriate to reach them on a platform that they're already very familiar with, uh, which is why our focus is a lot on WhatsApp currently. And so currently my role involves um, working with our fantastic team to kind of identify what are the best practices in early childhood education and um, creating digital content that is simple, that is contextual. So when I say contextual, you know, it could be in so many different ways. It's in the language that we use and the kind of materials that we recommend that the parents should use or work mm. with. Yeah, and just meaningful for both our parents and the system that we are working with. So currently we work with two kinds of systems. One is the Anganwadi system and uh, simultaneously we also work with uh, the school system. So there it's the preschools and the regular schools. Sounds like a very interesting role and doing some important work as well, like something that's much needed. Uh, and also it's a very niche role, right? So I, I know that your journey to each year and uh, decide on this would have been quite interesting. So for our audience, could you share how you first came about to be interested in the space and what your journey has been like? So like you said, Mansa, I studied journalism in college and I guess at that point I really enjoyed writing. Um, but most mass media courses, at least whatever I know of, 
uh, kind of leave you as a jack of all, master of none kind of thing. So by the time I was done with my bachelor's, I didn't feel quite prepared with this kind with the skills I would require to enter the enter the journalism industry. But I knew I wanted to work in the development sector. I knew I wanted to work with communities. So I took up the TFI fellowship at that point. So for those of you who don't know what the Teach for India fellowship is, it basically is a network where they we where Teach for India hires young or not so young folks who are interested in working as teachers. So you do a two-year fellowship where you teach in a classroom uh, as a full-time teacher for two years. And typically these classrooms might be in urban slum communities. Yeah, I think that's where the uh, journey started. And um, while I had no intentions of like working in the education sector for so long, or, you know, that's, that may not have been the motivation at first. I realized while I was there that I, I really enjoyed thinking about learning. So then I went on to take up further roles in curriculum at other organizations after that. Okay, moving on to questions about the education domain as a whole, trying to understand, you know, what are the potential careers in this space? I think you'd be the perfect person to ask this question. Could you share a little bit about the universe of ways in which someone interested in the education domain can contribute to this space? That is the different roles that exist for somebody who wants to enter and contribute to education. Right. I think the education sector is currently booming, right? Like we're constantly yeah. hearing about a lot of it and particularly, particularly the education technology sector almost. So yeah. I think that universe is like really quickly expanding. And I think it's expanding in a way that it's creating roles that maybe we want, which are quite novel. So I think um, almost in the way that someone who is interested in education, it's like, you know what one would have done in advertising a few years back like you're creating this kind of content that's like exciting and at the same time communicates a certain idea so that universe is of course uh, greatly expand expanding personally i'm a big fan of theory so i mean not that everyone has to kind of pursue this path but i think it's really great to spend some time really thinking through the sector that you're working in right when we say we want our children to be educated what does that mean so uh, what do we want for them and how does that impact their relationship with the rest of the system right so how, how does that impact their economies how does that impact communities how does that impact culture i think those things are really nice to spend some time thinking about but that may not necessarily be the starting point, you know, like I think it's great to just dive into something. So if you're interested in the education sector, I think just pick whatever role you feel most suited for. So whether that's operations, um, actually teaching uh, or just working in a team where folks are working on curriculum design, any of these things. So I definitely think a sector is just the area that you're working in, right? So if you're interested in the education sector, doesn't mean you have to come here with an expertise in pedagogy or teaching or anything of the sort, which is something that I'm interested in, in the education sector. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think the most exciting part is thinking about how do children learn and to try and make it possible to facilitate that learning, whether through a teacher or through technology or through videos or through content or whatever that might be. And as a teacher myself, like, so for me, that is the exciting part of being in the education sector. But you could come in with pretty much any skill set, right? Like even Rocket Learning as an organization doesn't just function on 
my instinct on what instruction ought to be. There are folks who work on the field, they hear what the children, you know, what the parents are saying about the content. So they come in with a certain ability to build relationships and ability to do a certain mm -hmm. kind of uh, uh, research. And the information they provide us really feeds back into the kind of instruction uh, our content team works on. And similarly, there are folks who build relationships who are good at strategy and, you know, all of that. So they build relationships with the government bodies, with the um, with the other um, not-for-profits and organizations working in this space and what they learn from there, the kind of requirements of the system, the demands of the system, that once again feeds back into what we do. There are folks that are really great at research. So they help with the m and &E, with helping us understand like, um, is this form of instruction achieving the goals that we want to achieve, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I think you can come in with any set of skills and uh, be interested in the education sector. So I think maybe the more key question is to understand what is the skill that you want to develop for yourself in your career journey, possibly. Right. So if let's say somebody is interested in the cause, uh, but given the wide range of opportunities that exist, they are not sure as to where uh, they can start the journey. So that's the recommendation that you would have for them, right? But, uh, it's probably yeah. better to concentrate on the skill to begin with. Yeah, and I think just, I mean, there are just so many organizations, right? There's no dearth of it at all anymore. And there's mm -hmm. definitely space for anyone who's willing to contribute and contribute with good intentions, you know? So there are so many organizations that you can just reach out to. So personally, I think it the best start to developing a strong understanding of any sector is to work in what is considered the most bottom tier, right? So like whether it's the field work or whether it's someone who does the actual teaching, Again, I don't think this is the actual bottom. I'm just saying it's considered the bottom, right? It's where it's where you uh, genuinely work with... Uh, and... Uh, yeah, yeah. where you actually gain your strongest learnings from, I'd say. Like, you know, you spend a lot of time yeah. on the field talking to the people that you want to work with. And you realize, you know, you go into these environments with so many assumptions... I think as anyone who's grown up in, say, an upper-class urban home, we also carry a certain key, you know, things, aise hone chahiye. We, we, they, their lives should be like this, they mm. should do this. And I think it's great to work in that environment because so many of those things are broken because you understand their lives so much better. You understand uh, the limitations, their culture, the context, the richness of their language. You know, so many things you learn when you're working on ground. So I think that is absolutely invaluable and it's, in my opinion, the best place to start. I agree, I agree too. And I think that's the same for any sector. Yeah. Uh, just to summarize, uh, the key uh, suggestions that you would have for people who are interested in the education domain would be to one, start at the grassroots uh, where they are directly interfacing with the end stakeholders. And uh, number two would be then to develop a skill of their interest and see how that fits into the larger ecosystem and the larger within education, right? Yeah. But I also, um, Manja, I feel, I feel wary of giving out advice like that because I think definitely do develop a set of skills for yourself. But I feel you needn't be in a hurry for, uh, for it, you know, hurry to do this. I think like yeah. time will reveal what that skill set might be for you or um, maybe it's clear to you from the start um so i, I think like to some level just follow I, I feel it's great to follow that intuition right and only then maybe there's a kind of kick 
in the work that you do otherwise you're you're just doing it in a very uh, yeah I, i think it's good not to put yourself into a bucket too early hmm right right yeah and i think i mean when you're working at the grassroots anyway it will be more of lateral skills that you're developing like things you will be yeah. working on a wide range of things and doing a lot of different coordination and development and all of those things so yeah. i think automatically you will be able to experience all of those different things as well because you're yeah. more focused on what needs to get rather than um, absolutely what is the need i remember that- i remember when i was doing tfi one of my greatest two of my greatest takeaways weirdly enough was uh, about like how how my time was used right there would be times where i would just have to sit and wait for the authorities for hours just waiting for these folks to give us like 5 minutes of their time to convince them about something that for the sake of my children was a significant uh, shift right but for that 2 hours of sitting there for that 5 hour meeting is so exhausting mm-hmm. and the other yeah. thing on time is like to act fast like the moment there seems to be a little like um like space where you can push through just sort of slip in that that like that small uh, set of time and just do the thing that needs to be done you know and yeah. um, i think those are like things that you can't um, i mean it's only working in the system that will teach you that about the system yeah and that's also a skill that you should you need to develop yeah yeah, yeah. true yeah. so uh, moving on to the next part about the specific roles that you have been involved in is that of a teacher and of a curriculum designer you share a little bit about those roles and uh, what are the range of activities that one would be responsible for as a teacher or a curriculum designer or lead curriculum curriculum lead as well because uh, yeah. you have experience in that um i think there has been nothing more rewarding than being a school teacher personally i think i did not think i would enjoy the company of children uh, but uh, in retrospect often you know my friends tell me that um, i I, I'm someone who enjoys my work enviably so, uh, especially as a school teacher. I think spending that much time with children and really observing them as they are making progress in learning. You know, for example, like when a child has what we call like an aha moment, when that look of realization comes to the child's face, I think it's it's one of the most rewarding and most exceptional moments as a teacher. So. I think as a teacher you're responsible for primarily the well-being of a group of children and along with that of course responsible for uh, equipping them with the right set of skills the right kind of mindsets that are required for them to go through their the rest of their lives so while at TFI I was working more with you know like a at risk kind of community so the children there were predominantly either children of uh rickshaw drivers or their parents did not have a job or the mother was you know uh doing a job as a maid in someone's house or you know so the family income overall was quite low also the school i worked at was a private school uh, which meant that you know the ability to put your child to uh, to school uh, in school was a sort of month to month struggle so often we would not show know if an, if a child would show up the next month you know because if say something happens and what typically happens is of course a lot of like alcohol consumption a lot of drug abuse things like that both by the father and by the children themselves and because of this they either 
uh, drop out of schools too early. So, you know, how do you make school a space where children really want to come? They look forward to being here. They consider it a safe space. And um, also, how do you make it cool? <laughs> I, I, you know, because it has to be something that as they're transitioning from being really young to being, say, teenagers, which is approximately when they kind of drop off, how do you make the school space a space that they can take pride in, you know, like and, and want to take pride in? So I think for, uh, for our kids, it was a lot of sports. So we would play a lot of sports with them. And that, you know, had effects in the classroom, such significant effects, like kids who would typically not do any of their homework. Now that we had created this entire sports program for them, they would show up to class uh, and do their uh, academic work with a lot more diligence. Yeah, and similarly at Shibumi, I think the group of children that I was working with, of course, was very different. And the context of the learning was also very different. So Shibumi is an alternative school. And um, the method of learning at Shibumi is that the goal is kind of to make children uh, self-directed learners. So they direct their own journey of learning I think the reason Shibumi is able to do what it does is because the teacher to student ratio is also quite low. So while at Teach for India, it was uh, one of us to about 40 children. At Shibumi, it's about one teacher to maybe six to seven kids. So um, the relationships I had with the children at Shibumi were, of course, more intense. They were a lot deeper because I had so much time with them and I knew so much about them. Apart from the numbers, I think one thing that was extraordinary about my time at Shibumi was just the way uh, learning happened. So a lot of it would be uh, based on observations of the child. So for example, if I knew a child was really interested in, say, working with their hands with a particular material, I would use that information to create a project for them through which they would develop the skills that were required uh, in their academics. So in, say, literacy or math or science. But uh, there was no prescribed curriculum either, as in we definitely had certain benchmarks in mind that were based on certain curriculums. But the process of learning was largely dependent on following the child's intuition, following the child's interests. I've covered the teacher part, but I think I've not spoken about the curriculum designer role. Yeah. 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 As a teacher also, what I got in terms of the role differences between these two experiences was that in a TFI probably it was obviously much more um, instructional because it's it was a larger class. We were also uh, involved in helping the students outside of class, be it through building their leadership skills or their involvement or engaging with families and the yeah. stakeholders in the government and so on. Whereas at Shibumi, it was more focused on uh, smaller group learning. So you, it was a more personalized experience for the student and method of teaching then uh, was something that you could experiment with yeah. depending upon the student. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, the, the, so the Teach for India classroom did not have physical space. It had a very poor teacher to student ratio. It had, we had limited instructional time and so in which you had to be creative, like I said, had to be sort of totally out of the box, right? Like if I wanted a child to do math really well, I had to play sports with him at six in the evening. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas in Shibumi, because there was more space, more uh, a great teacher-to-student ratio, and of course a fewer number of children, so more time, there was so much more room to experiment with the ways in which we could we could bring learning to the children. Right. So so much more time in nature, so much more time in um, play, so much more time working with your hands. You sound very different, even though the role is kind of uh, similar. Because of the yeah. context, I think the uh, kind of activities that you were involved in lead quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, what about the curriculum designer and curriculum lead? Right. My experience as a teacher has definitely, of course, translated into both these roles, right? So in my earlier years, when I was at Mekshala, I think uh, my approach to uh, curriculum design and to instructional design was largely based on my experience at Teach for India. So, for example, I think there was a lot more focus on how do you slip in, how do you sort of package learning in a way that it becomes fun for children, you know, it makes them engaged in their learning. So, how do you make it a little bit exciting, the wrapper that you put around the education? I think at that point, that was my framework of instructional design. And I uh, explored that quite seriously for quite a while. But I think where I hit a bit of... I mean, and not just at Mikshala, but in my journey as an instructional designer, I think where I hit a roadblock was I felt uh, like I did not have the right kind of exposure to think outside these limitations, right? Because my understanding of learning had happened within the confines of Teach for India. So I went on to do a master's degree in learning and design, while simultaneously I was also teaching at Shibumi. So those three years really radically shifted my understanding of uh, how learning can look. So as a curriculum designer, what you're doing is making great strategies for learning available to a mass, right? Uh, Whereas as a teacher, you're working with just say 30 children or 40 children. As a curriculum designer, the methods that you apply essentially reach a much wider audience. So at uh, Rocket Learning, for example, our reach is quite huge currently. We work in multiple states across multiple districts. So just like, you know, if I spend half an hour planning something as a teacher, it reaches 30 children. But whereas if I spend 30 minutes planning as a curriculum designer, it reaches a much wider audience. So the kind of design that you have to apply is very different. Um, Again, as a teacher, you are sort of moderating your instruction and iterating it based on your observations of the children. So I can sort of change it day to day to day. Whereas as a curriculum designer, that feedback loop is a lot longer. So, um, you know, then you have to go out and conduct specific research uh, about your users' preferences. So you go out onto the field, you conduct focus groups, you do like learning outcome assessments, you do M&E of different kinds. And then collect the kind of feedback that you require to iterate the instruction. I think between a teacher and an instructional designer, it's like the greatest difference is the one of scale. And the scale naturally brings a distance from your final user. So I think those are like really create like exciting challenges, especially because I mean, I think there's no escaping scale, right? Like we, India has a population of like massive numbers. So Mm -hmm. we do need to reach many children and we do need to reach them fast. And we do have to be really creative about it. So, yeah. 
and i think the difference in scale also brings about a vision of work that you mentioned for example as a teacher you would be involved in collecting the feedback uh, establishing that loop or uh, conducting the assessments etc but probably as a curriculum designer you have other teams working on those verticals right. uh, where they are conducting many at scale or uh, they are doing the data analysis and then feeding it back into your process yeah 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 <laughs> definitely Uh, right so uh, what what skills would you emphasize as key to work um, and grow and be successful in both of these roles and um, would you have any thought on how young professionals can build their skills in towards working in these roles um i think like you said right like um, in any professional setting which is more like companies i so i'll talk about the teaching and school path maybe separately but when you're talking about any professional journey where you're working with organizations or companies i think um, setting up systems of collaboration is possibly the most important thing right say i'm uh, setting up my instruction in a particular way but the mne team is collecting information about something totally different and that doesn't feed back into what uh, you know like what questions i would have asked as a teacher then there's a huge gap so i think as as you grow older learning effective ways of collaborating across different teams across different domains across different skill sets so how do you as a as say an operations person learn to work with someone in research or how do you as an operations person learn to work with someone in uh, who's like me interested in say pedagogy and instruction um and in similar ways like how do you create an organization that speaks to each other constantly and that um communicates with each other yeah i think that is definitely one of the more crucial skills as you grow in your professional journey as a curriculum designer like i've said before i definitely have a strong bias for theory so i think the greatest tool i have as a curriculum designer is the fact that um, my practice is informed by theory and my theory is refined by my practice the i think the correct word here is like praxis so how does that constantly inform each other you know so what i'm doing in practice how does that inform my theory or refine my theory and how does the theory i have studied inform my practice of course i think this is relevant across any sphere right whether you're working in medicine or education or you know like as a researcher or a, or any profession i think that uh, constant feedback loop is super important um and i think one thing that definitely energizes me is the people that i work with i think it's incredible to seek out people with whom your vision aligns and to sort of build something together in collaboration with each other right right what about skills in terms of being a teacher something i yeah. mean any thoughts about what aspirants should focus on over there yeah I think again it's what kind of environment are you a teacher in for me once again like i said this thing of praxis is relevant across all spheres right so as i'm working with a child i can get quite caught up in wanting to make sure he knows his numbers whereas if i have that time to sort of set back and create a reflective thinking process then different things come up 
I think, you know, you only learn teaching by doing it. I think it's one of those things. I, you know, in my early years as a teacher, I really thought it was like theater. Like I would write this whole script. I knew what I wanted to teach. I would write this whole script. I would create. And at one point we got PowerPoint. So we got these projectors. So I would like create this PowerPoint. Then I would go and perform. And I would start my performance with a joke, you know. And so many days you flop. The kids are like, kya bol rahi hai? you know. And then as, as you keep doing this, you learn you refine yourself, you know, you try something different the next time you come in. Hey, the first time you created a game, next time you come in with something different. You really have to be on your feet as a teacher at all times. The level of responsibility is like being a mother to like 40 children, you know, that's quite a massive responsibility. So I think it's definitely a profession that you learn along the way. But once again, it's totally crucial even then to be, in my opinion, to be informed by some level of theory and research. I think you actually covered the next question that I was going to ask also, that what type of people thrive in such a role? Uh, I mean, outside of skills, what, what would be needed for somebody to succeed in the environments that a curriculum designer or a teacher works in? But is there anything that you would like to add? as a teacher the one thing of course you have to learn is to be patient both with the child and yourself so i i mean while a lot of other like professional skills are crucial i think you definitely need to be le- learn to be patient both with the children and with yourself <laughs> okay and um could you, since we are also talking about a comparison between the two roles and not really a comparison, but talking about the opportunities uh, and what these two roles look like. Could you share a little bit about what are the opportunities for growth and pay in both the roles and how good are they compared to uh, other uh, roles in the education sector? Yeah, um, I think things are changing. Firstly, I think I want to call that out. But um, there is naturally like a very standard assumption in all professional spaces, right? Like spaces that have predominantly been owned by upper caste, upper class males do tend to get Mm -hmm. uh, rewarded a lot more. So say folks who are in, say, the more like technology, engineering, operations, not operations, but like say management kind of roles do tend to get paid a lot more than say people who are doing the actual work of teaching, right? So uh, definitely there is, in my opinion, a giant gap. And this is not, I mean, I'm not here to uh, hopefully to give you a rosy picture of what this is. I think teaching is the most rewarding, the most fundamental and the most crucial profession, but largely it does not pay well. And I think that's a pity. I think we are not investing in some of our most crucial resources. Yeah, so that I think is a bit bleak. But across more professional spaces, I think there's a lot more acknowledgement of softer skills. Like I think say 10 years back as a curriculum instruction designer, I may not have you know had a very meaningful career. Like it would have been some kind of, you know, NGO job, NGO mein kaam karti hai, kind of. like it would be that like Jola wearing image of me. But I think younger professionals working in the development sector, working in education now have a lot more opportunity to grow and evolve. And I think they are given the credit where it's due. Uh, this may not be, of course, completely, we've not like aced this just yet, but I definitely think it is evolving. So having that in mind, what would you say have been your biggest learnings from your entire journey? Uh, Not just the specific roles that we have discussed, but even outside of them. And anything that uh, you want uh, students and young professionals uh, to keep in mind when they are uh, navigating the development sector landscape. 
Right. Yeah. A lot of things you have already shared, but maybe you can just highlight two or three things that you would want to convey or to the listeners. Um, definitely the reflective practice that I said earlier, right? I think that is key to being in the development sector. Um, uh, and I mean, uh, naturally the education sector, I think it's crucial for all folks to be informing their practices with strong theory, strong research, and to constantly evolve their practice based on this. So I think that is definitely my most meaningful advice. And apart from that, I think it's, like I said, be patient, be kind, both with yourself and the people that you're working with. It's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not like, and you know, tomorrow, suddenly all the children of India are going to be educated. It's not mm-hmm. like that. And so it's going to be a very confusing, almost very uncertain terrain. So I think just be kind to yourself and the environment that you're working with, maybe. Yeah, that's all, man. Those are some really great takeaways and I think applicable for anybody who wants to work in this space, not just in the education one, but even otherwise. So thank you so much, Vibha, for everything that you've shared with us. And it was great having you here. We are very grateful for all the time and thoughtful answers that you've given us. Yeah, thank you so much, Mansa, for having me and for asking me all these questions. I think very rarely do I articulate these things the way I did just now. So I think it was interesting for me also. Thank you so much. Thank you.